about two years into our marriage, my husband, he was found out. He had a sex and pornography addiction. And it was like, really, God? <laughs> like, another man, you know, that I can't trust. Hey, everyone. And hey, Jen. On today's podcast, we had a guest named Ashley Sears, and she is the founder of a ministry called Stories Unveiled. And it's a platform she created uh, where um, women can share their stories on a stage with a microphone. (laughs) And she coaches them through how to do that. And it's such a powerful ministry. Uh, Today was my first time hearing her story. Uh, her, about her whole her life and her uh, betrayal that she went through and how uh, she and her husband overcame that. It was so encouraging. And uh, I think the takeaway I had from it was a quote by a gal named Anne Voskamp that says, shame dies when stories are told in safe places. And that, that just kind of encompasses the whole episode today. Wouldn't you say, Jen? Absolutely. I was so encouraged after this interview with Ashley today. I had the opportunity to speak at Stories Unveiled a few years ago. And honestly, this was part of the catalyst to continuing to tell my story because there's so much freedom and there's so much power when we are able to step out of that internal narrative we have and step into um, the reality, not only just the reality we live in, but the power in telling that to other people and then having other people receive it because they too relate to it. So I believe, mm-hmm. listeners, you're going to be really encouraged today as not only as you hear her story, but you hear what she has done um, with her life and um, and her ministry. Made her mess her message, <laughs> she right? Did. Yes, she did. So mm-hmm. um, with that, enjoy this episode with our wonderful guest, Ashley Sears. Welcome to the Betrayal Recovery Transformation Podcast, your place to reclaim your life after betrayal. My name is Jen Howie. Welcome, friends. My name is Chris Rocha. Jen and I are pastoral sex addiction professionals and coaching experts with over 20 years combined experience. And we are so glad you're here with us for today's podcast. Yes, today our guest is Ashley Sears. After coming out of a terrible season in her marriage, Ashley and her husband embarked on a journey to find out what it would look like to live more vulnerably. And after learning about her husband's pornography addiction, a battle he had been fighting for years, she decided that she didn't want to live with a mask on any longer. Ashley had a holy discontent for the perfectly put-together Christians. She no longer wanted to be that believer that walked through the doors on Sunday mornings, pretending they had it all together. God laid on her and her husband's hearts to step out of fear and start sharing their story. As the organization grew, the women who wanted to live unveiled grew as well. And so today, Ashley hosts events to give women a platform to share their stories of redemption and hope. She also coaches one-on-one to help women walk through finding purpose purpose in their pain and living in freedom from their past. Thank you for joining us today, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, welcome, Ashley. It is so good to have you here. You and I, um, we met a few years ago via Pure Desire, We yep. and we, we hit it off from day one. And then since then, uh, Dan and I have become great friends with you and Asher. 
and we've had the opportunity to know you guys on such a more intimate level. And sometimes I find it absolutely crazy to me how betrayal can make four people close friends, especially spouses, you know, and the right. fact that something so horrible in both of our lives actually ended up bringing us together and it kind of became something really kind of beautiful. And while I'm glad um, that you guys are together and creating amazing friendships with people, the experience of betrayal actually can have a deep uh, emotional scar really on not just you and I, but even our spouse as well. So before we dive into the betrayal piece, there's a whole nother part of Ashley that we would love to hear about because your life is more than just betrayal. And I think our listeners can relate to so much of what you're going to share with us. So give us a little bit of history up into this point of betrayal. So I was raised in the church uh, from the time I was born, really. I was, I went to church Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, all the things, Awana programs. And um, up until about the age of 14 or 15, when my mom and her husband, they got divorced. And I actually was thrilled because um, on my birth certificate, he was my dad. However, I found out a couple of years later that he was not actually my biological father. My mom had been keeping that from me because she had been threatened. And so um, this was something that was a huge secret. I didn't find out um, until, you know, well into my teen years. And I was thrilled, however, even though at this point when they divorced, I did not know he wasn't my dad because I could not stand this man. I lived with a lot of guilt for a lot of years because I, I truly hated a man that I believed was my dad. And so when I found out that he was not my father, I had so much relief mm. that I was not cut from the same cloth as this man. Um, he was not a good person. And so when I found that out, it, it kind of did one of two things. It gave me a lot of relief to know that I was kind of free of a lot of the really bad things that he had done. Um, because that I wasn't, I wasn't his, um, but I also struggled a little bit with, and who, who is my dad? Who, you know, where do I come from? And, um, you know, in full disclosure, uh, my mom didn't know him either for the simple fact that she was artificially inseminated with me, mm. um, 40, almost 42 years ago. That was pretty unheard of. That was not super popular. Um, but, uh, her husband was unable to have kids. And so, she was artificially inseminated. None of us know who her father or who my father is. Um, and so that created a little bit of like an identity, you know, I'll never know. I'll never know who, who my dad is. A couple of years later, uh, my mom met what is now my dad. I call him my dad. He did adopt me when I was 22 years old. Mm. Um, but he's been my dad since I was 16-ish, 15-ish. And it wasn't until after they got married is when I actually found out the truth that that man that my mom had been married to was not, was not my father. That's when I found that out. And so, um, I got a dad for the first time and he was like, he was a real dad, not just, you know, a father who fathered a child, but he was a dad. He loved Jesus. He led our family. Well, he loved me. Um, I have a little brother. And so, you know, he just loved us well. And we got to do a lot of things that we didn't get to do before we traveled a lot. And, um, so that just kind of, that 
helped for me, like complete me, so to speak in my family. And I will probably never know or meet who my biological father is. And that's okay. It doesn't matter. Um, because God kind of brought this man into my life. Um, kind of fast forwarding a little bit. When I got into college, I did walk away from church. I walked away from God. I wouldn't say I denounced my faith, so to speak. Um, I just, I would have told you I was a believer. I would have told you I believed in God. I for sure had no fruit to show for it. Like I just had nothing in my life that was pointing to the fact that I was a Christian. <laughs> um, however, I was, I was raised that way, but I, so many different things were a priority for me. I was in college. I worked Sundays. I really liked to party. I <laughs> sleeping with my boyfriend. Like there was just things that I was like, well, now, now I can't go to church. Like I'm, I'm not going to go to church now because I had just walked so far away. And it was during that time that, um, I, so I was sexually assaulted, um, a few years into college by what I thought was a friend and he broke into my home and he sexually assaulted me while I was asleep. Um, and that never went, I, I reported it and it became, he said, she said, and that never went past, um, past that, that he said, she said, and he was never convicted. And I understand that's pretty typical. Um, wow. but I've dealt with those issues and, um, trust issues and such for a very long time because of that. But during that period of time, I also had a stalker. I was not aware of him until, I don't know, a couple months into him stalking me. Um, he would call me, he followed me home. He, um, found out where I worked. He would wait outside my work for me. I had seen him one time. He approached me one time and that's how I was able to pick him out of a lineup. But, um, I, had no idea except for there was like really weird kind of scary things happening around me that I had no reason or explanation for until the police approached me and, um, you know, through a series of events, uh, I had to pick him out of a lineup and it turns out he was what they were calling a serial stalker. So he Holy was stalking smokes. women. Yeah. He was stalking wow. women. He had a tight. And so we all looked fairly similar, um, in different counties around the state of Nevada. So he would travel around to different counties as a um, Kirby vacuum. Kirby, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I have one or had one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he posed as a vacuum salesman. I went door to door. That is not actually how we met. Um, he happened to see me out and about when he was in our county. Uh, but that, that is how he found most of his victims was from uh, being, yeah, a Kirby vacuum salesman door to door. Scary. So scary. So um, I did end up having to testify um, in court against him. He did end up going to a maximum security prison in the middle of nowhere, Nevada. And um, that the reason I say all of this, because I'm obviously like more than even all these traumas, but between um, between not knowing who my dad was and not like necessarily having a father um, for the first however many years of my life. Um, being sexually assaulted by what I thought was a friend, being stalked by a perfect stranger, um, really what the world was telling me is that men couldn't be trusted. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter if they were a friend, if they were family, if they were a perfect stranger. I, wow. couldn't, yeah. I, couldn't, trust, I could not trust men. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up 
meeting my husband actually during the court proceedings for my stalker. Um, I was kind of carrying a little bit of baggage into our marriage. I did not realize how much baggage he was bringing into our marriage, but um, we did meet and it was like for the first time I did in a while, I let my guard down and I fell in love with him. And then we ultimately ended up, did we did get married very fast and because I was pregnant, but um, you know, then that just kind of started on our journey that, you know, I think you're referring to betrayal because yes, about two years into our marriage, my husband, um, well, he was found out that, yeah, he had a sex and pornography addiction and it was like, really God, <laughs> like another man, you know, that I can't trust. So, so at this point, had you reignited your faith with God before you got married or where was that transition for you? Yeah. So, um, I married, my husband was not a Christian. He did not love Jesus. He did not, I won't say he didn't know God, but he for sure, he, he, I think would tell you that he believed that there was a God, that there was probably something larger than himself, you know, bigger in this world. Um, but he couldn't put a name to anything. I mean, he couldn't answer questions like creation, evolution. Like he didn't know, he didn't really know what he believed. He just, so he was agnostic. Yeah. He was agnostic. And what he did know about religion, though, first of all, he didn't know that, like, a relationship with Jesus could exist outside of religious, like, confines. Like, yes, obviously, we believe, we're Bible-believing Christians, so we believe that going to church is important and finding your community and being plugged in in that way. And so I'm not taking away from that. But religion was always what was presented to him in not a very appealing way. And the relationship piece, which is the the piece of Christianity is this relationship with Jesus and that we're saved by grace. And, um, his, so he's, he's married prior. He has an ex-wife and a 25 year old son currently. Um, his son was five when we met, but, um, his ex-wife kind of toward the end of their marriage. Um, the thing that his wife at the time tried to do to save their marriage was to send Asher to church. So she would drive him and drop him off in an Episcopal church parking lot. And she would sit in the car and told him to get it, to go in there. Cause only, only God could save his soul now. And because Asher's your husband, right? Asher's my husband. Yeah. Okay. Only God could save his soul. Only God could save their marriage, which is all true. <laughs> but, um, it was wow. definitely just a weapon because she was not a Christian as well. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at this, but I just, oh, no. I mean, I've been, I'm a pretty audacious woman, <laughs> but that is some audacity for real. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So, um, he just knew that God was a weapon. Like God was used when you were being bad, when you were making bad decisions. Um, something he would say, um, and he actually just shared this um, to a group not that long ago, but he said the one thing that was interesting is he never knew who the Holy Spirit was or what the Holy Spirit was. Like that was just never, that was never talked about, but he knew like as in hindsight now, he looks back and he knows that when he was standing in the, in that church, um, every time she would take him and he's standing by himself and they would do worship, even though, I mean, it was hymns and it was very different than what the type of church we go to now, but nonetheless, like he felt the Holy Spirit because he was moved to tears every single time he was standing in that church building, but he just did not have any idea why or wow. what it 
gift. And so now, um, yes, he is a believer. And so now he knows what that is. He's like, man, that was the Holy Spirit that was like, hello, (laughs) I'm here, you know? Um, but yeah, it was, it was about four months into our marriage that, um, my dad and him had had really long, deep conversations. My dad's a recovering addict or alcoholic. And so my dad's got a checkered past and that was appealing to my husband in the sense that my dad loves Jesus and follows him, but also like is he's just real and he's just raw and he's, you know, if you know anybody in recovery, they're typically just a little bit edgier and don't have much, much of a filter and they don't speak Christianese and all of the things. And so they're so relatable. And so for somebody like my husband, who also has a bit of a checkered past, he was so relatable and he was truly showing my husband who Jesus was just through his stories. And so it got to a point where my husband was super curious about, you know, the God that my dad spoke of and church, unlike the church that he'd, he'd experienced. And so, um, I wasn't walking with the Lord. I wasn't choosing, you know, he and I were married and my parents were on their knees because they were like, Oh Lord, help us. Our daughter just married a non-believer, but I wasn't, (laughs) I wasn't walking with the Lord either. And so it wasn't important to me, but my husband came to me one day and was like, Hey, I feel like, like, I feel like we should go check out this church that your, your dad's been talking about. I heard it's got great music and, you know, my husband loved music and we should, we should go. And so it wasn't really a hard sell for me. He had told me early on that he was uninterested. So for him to come to me and say that I was like, yeah, okay. So we went to church and I want to say, I mean, he wanted to go back the next week. I want to say three weeks in and he just, he told me, I feel like the pastor is literally speaking to me. I feel like there's this, you know, spotlight on me. I feel like everything he's saying is like, how did he know that that's like <laughs> what I, and I'm like, again, like he knows, Oh, that was also the Holy spirit. Like Jesus has been pursuing my husband for a long time. And it was like, like I said, like three or so weeks into going to this church for the first time, my husband just accepted Christ and was like, I want to get baptized. Like, like, I wow. don't know what this is, but this, but I want this. And Love so it. That is when I decided to rededicate my life because we committed to this is how we're going to raise our kids now. We had a daughter at that point, um, the the pregnancy that caused us to get married. (laughs) We had her and um, we were taking his son to church and we just committed and said, like, this is what we're doing. And so, yes, my husband was a believer early on in our marriage. And so when this pornography and sex addiction came out, he was about a year or so into walking with Jesus, like knowing who he was. But I mean, if I had to classify it, he was still learning. I mean, he was still, and, and I know like we've had conversations, he'll say, um, I really thought like, okay, I'm a Christian now. Like I can be done. Like he just stopped for a long time. He actually didn't think there was anything wrong with it because that was how he was raised that pornography and all of those things are normal boy things. They're it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, And then he quickly learned that that was not the case and started feeling convicted and knew that it was something that he needed to stop and didn't know how and didn't really share that. And so when his addiction did not go away just because he accepted Christ, that's when he started concealing it and hiding it, you know, more because he didn't know what to do with it. So 
something that came to mind while you were talking was the difference between religion and salvation, that religion is man's attempt to save himself and salvation yeah. is God's plan through, through grace and the free gift that his son paid the price for us. So, um, I love that. So thank you for sharing your story, Ashley. I, I, I'm getting to hear it for the first time. I know, you know, you and Jen go way back, but so do you and I. I mean, I'm. what time is it? Uh, I think like 27 minutes of deep friendship that we've shared so far. So, yeah. <laughs> so great to hear your story. Thank you for sharing that. So healing from betrayal often involves finding a new sense of purpose and direction. And sometimes unexpected opportunities come from this. This is so how God works, right? His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And through this, you started Stories Unveiled. Um, could you tell us a little bit about how your own story inspired you to start Stories Unveiled and also the importance that, or, you know, the freedom that comes from us sharing our stories with others? What, what do you have to offer about that? You know, I tell women, because I meet with women all the time who find themselves in, you know, the same boat. I tell them, you know, this is for sure not a club anybody wanted to be a part of. This is not a sisterhood that mm -hmm. anybody wants to, you know, embark on together. However, you know, here we are. I want God to use it for his glory. I do believe that as long as you allow God into it, that our pain is not wasted and that he can use it. I mean, he'll use it even if you don't necessarily allow him, but he's not a forceful God, you know? And so he wants us to invite him in to our lives and into our story. And I know that he has purpose for every single person. And so as long as we can, we can walk with him in our purpose, I firmly believe, I mean, beauty from ashes, it's in the Bible. You know, he, he legitimately will make beautiful things out of, you know, a house fire, you know, and my, for me, my house fire was my family felt mm -hmm. like it was falling apart, you know? And yeah. Um, so really I embarked on this journey during my healing, you know, my husband started, he ended up finding, um, recovery about seven or so years ago. I had been under this very big illusion for the 12 year roller coaster ride of the kind of betrayal, like the addiction cycle of, you know, finding out the, you know, the betrayal, the trauma, the disclosures, the, the lying, all of the things, um, being on a good track. And then there mm -hmm. we go, slip back into it. We rode that for about 12 years. And when he finally started finding some recovery and healing, and we had done like all the things, but there was just something different. When he finally started finding that, I very much thought for those 12 years, that as long as he figured his junk out and he could like stop that we would be fine. I would be good. Like if like, this was a him problem, this was not a me problem. I did not cause this. I am not responsible for this, um, which are all true, but I very much believed that once he could figure this out and he could stop truly get healing recovery, that we would be good, that mm -hmm. that's all that it would really take. And man, he started finding that. And that's just what I prayed for. And he started finding it. And I was still real mad. <laughs> I was still <laughs> okay. Yeah. Real bitter. And I 100% still did not trust him just because he started not even, it wasn't even lip service. It was like actionable. Like I could tell that there was change happening, but I, I was still who I was and I was still stuck in my trauma and in my betrayal and in all of my junk. And while I didn't cause this and this isn't my fault, again, 
here I was, I had to deal with it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't like stuffing it, moving on and pretending like it didn't happen and that we were good now was only going to rear its head every time I felt unsafe or I felt lied to or I felt whatever. And so um, as I started to find my own journey of healing and dealing with trauma and he and I were committed to each other to rebuild trust and our marriage. Um, we quickly learned how many other people were dealing, not just with this in particular, which by the way is like super rampant, especially in the church. <laughs> sure is. Oh, yes. Even more than that, it was, it was something. It was just, I mean, replace pornography, sex addiction with alcoholism, drug addiction, um, just daily struggles with their children, but like, like deep, not like my kid threw a temper tantrum, but you know, things that like everybody necessarily deals with, but like deep things that were like really heart issues with these like families that we had been doing life with for so long. And so what it came down to is my husband and I made this decision that while we were embarking on this healing and recovery journey together, and we decided that we were going to stay married and we were going to allow God to use this for good, and we were going to share our story and we were just going to share our piece of marriage story with whoever, whenever it came up and it was kind of applicable, right? We weren't like pounding the streets doing it, but <laughs> you know, in small group, we started there with people that didn't know our story, but we had been in, doing life with. Um, I was the women's director at our church in full-time ministry during that time. And so I shared it on a platform one time and I was just like, blatantly honest. What was and that I, like for you? It was, was so freeing. Yes. It was like, I mean, it was like, like liberating is like the word I use, but I don't necessarily like the connotation, like, so to speak of that word, but I just felt it was like, okay, Lord, like, I'm just going to share this. And there's probably going to be women that are going to cringe at the fact that I just said porn on stage. And there's going to be women that are offended that I'm even talking about this. And then there's going to be a lot of women that either don't know that don't know what's going on. And at some point in their marriage journey will, and they will need what I am saying, or mm -hmm. they're sitting in it right now. Yeah. They're mm -hmm. sitting in it right now. And they're like, they're waiting for somebody to give them hope. Yeah. So, Powerful. Um, it, it was so freeing. And the thing that broke my heart is I was exactly right. When I did that and I shared because my husband and I had made this decision. Um, it was like, I, I mean, countless, countless women reached out after, came up to me after. Most people didn't want to come up to me after, but mm -hmm. um, reached mm -hmm. out after social media messages, whatever it was. And they were like, me too. Same. And some were like, I've not ever dealt with that, but my husband's been having an affair, which really like a, you know, close sister <laughs> to yes. like all of these yeah. things. It's all sure the same, is. you know, or I've had an addiction that, you know, nobody, I've never told anybody or something happened to me when I was a child that nobody knows, or, I mean, literally fill in the blank. Like there were so many things that I was, I was not anticipating. And so I got to this point where I was like, okay, God, whoa, <laughs> like, you called me to like share our story and do this. I thought I was doing it because like, oh, I'm just going to be like, 
I'm going to be, I'm going to help other people be so liberated or other women to just be like, yes, you know, and not that I want any wife to feel like they have an extra grind, but I want them to feel like this is their story too. But what happened was this like overwhelming, a compassion, but this, like, I think you said, holy discontent for what do I do? Like, I can't help, I can't help all, all women, all these women, but why? Like, I, I was trying to get to the root of fundamentally, like, why did so, why were so many women stuck in this place of hiding mm. parts of their story that they never told anybody? They were ashamed to tell or fearful or whatever. Some things were things that happened to them. Some things were decisions that they had made that they were super ashamed of. And, and it's amazing like, to me, like you told your story and then you have all these women that are coming to you with stories that don't even necessarily relate to your story. Right. What you shared was vulnerability and they replied, they responded with their own vulnerability. You're hearing stories that, that you probably never even anticipated hearing. No, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no, not at all. I mean, I really kind of started this whole thing. Like I would just really would love to help other women who have found themselves in my situation because it's a lonely road mm-hmm. and it's really isolating. And as the betrayed spouse, I think there is this wrestling too of, I can't share this because this isn't my story, mm-hmm. even though it is, it is very much because it's impacted you. And I can't share this because I don't want people to think my husband's a pervert or yes. my husband's gross or sick or I don't want to throw my husband under the bus. I don't like all of the, there's so many things wrapped up in this that I wanted to make it okay. But I didn't realize that it was actually opening a door, not just for like the betrayed spouse, but for any story anywhere. And that's really where God put this, this idea on my heart of like, um, create a platform. Hmm. And so, um, because I do believe even, I mean, now at this point, I've been doing this for long enough that I've had women come to me and say, I don't have a story. And I'm like, Oh, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, No, really? Like I had one woman in particular, and she was like, I married my high school sweetheart. We've never had any addictions. Both of our families are still intact. Our parents are still married. We have four beautiful children, one of which was adopted. And we have the most amazing adoption story. Like, I mean, like on and on, right? Like all of the things. And so I was like, that does sound amazing. That's also a story. And it's a story of like provision and protection and blessing. And like, I, I don't know, there's just so many other things. And I said, but talk to me because you've struggled. Everybody struggles with something. I said, it might not be addiction. It might not be something like that's locked here in this closet, but you've struggled with something. And when you really peel the layers back, I mean, her thing was like work. She was a perfectionist Mm. and perfectionism was like her sin that she carried. And she carried proudly because it's, you want to be perfect for God. Like you want to present your bet. I mean, it was so much that she did was even under the guise of like, but it's good. And even still that's a trap. And so for her, she was like, man, I can choose my work over my family or I can chase the almighty dollar or I can, you know, like there's so many things and you really peel it back that I'm like, that's a story. And how many people relate to that? Part of what you do for a living also is you teach people how to tell their story, right? I do. Yes. I teach people how to tell their story. I coach them through a process of how to share their story. I feel like it's so important to know how to share your story. And it sounds so silly because we lived it. It's our story. We know, 
But I can guarantee that most people, if you sat down across the table at coffee or in a small group or in some sort of scenario that wasn't on a stage, like I, you know, have this event, but if you just sat down and somebody said, so what's your story? Like, (laughs) tell me about you. Yeah. I can't wipe the smile off my face right now. Um, I have a little side story where I just want to, I just want to say yes and amen to what you're sharing. And for our listeners, um, I was put into a position, shockingly, I am not the pristine girl next door. I too have sinned once or twice in my life. It's weird. I know, but, but, uh, kidding aside, you know, um, I've made some mistakes in my lifetime as we all have. And I was put into a position where, I needed to talk to my adult children about some mistakes I had made, and I had so carefully squirreled that away, and so I, I, I needed to tell them part of my testimony, and so my oldest daughter had come home from from college, picked her up from the bus and for Christmas break. And I I said, hey, I'd like to share something vulnerable with you about my past. And um, so I I shared that with her. And what happened with her is it opened up this floodgate of questions and sharing some of her stories and some things that had happened to her and some um, issues that she was dealing with. And um, and it was this amazing situation, and we stayed up till two thirty in the morning, just talking and talking and talking, and it was just so bonding and and freeing was the word that you used. And a few days later, I needed to then talk to my younger daughter, and uh, older daughter was in the room with us, and my younger daughter sat and listened to me deadpan, no expression, completely serious. And when I was done, I was a little nervous. Like, what is she thinking? You know, and there's that fear of rejection and shame when you're sharing your story. And uh, I said, you know, honey, is there anything that you would like to say? Is there anything that you're concerned about? What are you feeling right now? And she just gathered her thoughts and she said, mom, I've had you on a pedestal my whole life. And hearing what you what you had to say, I now feel like I can relate to you. I've mm-hmm. never felt closer to you before. Aww. Thank you for telling me this, you know, this part of your, your life, I can, I I just feel so, um, you just feel so real now. And, and it just kind of deepened that relationship. And so all the fear I had of being rejected or shamed or judged or, um, cast aside, um, or I think with my daughters, the big fear I had was that it was going to cause a rift. It was the exact opposite. So, For the ladies that are listening um, right now, there is so much freedom in sharing our stories. And I'm so grateful for the ministry that you've created from your vulnerability and Asher's, your husband, and the bravery and just your obedience to God's calling on your life. It's powerful. And one of my favorite mentors, shockingly, is Dr. Ted Roberts from Pure Desire Ministries. And this is out of the Conquer Series trailer commercial that anyone could find on YouTube. But it was so, when I was going through betrayal trauma, this gave me so much hope. So I had to write it down. And what Dr. Ted said was, you know what I'm having the joy of? Sweet revenge. The very thing the enemy used against me as a weapon, God has now forged by the hammer of his adversity that he's brought into my life, by the hammer of his challenges, and by the correction of my soul. He's now formed this weapon into something that I can use against the enemy. I am taking sweet revenge. And that's powerful. And that's exactly what he's done with your story, Chris. And that's what he's done with your story, Ashley. So so tell us exactly 
how this all culminated. How did that, how did this become Stories Unveiled? It became Stories Unveiled because I, I mean, like I think I said, I had this holy discontent and I prayed and I was like, God, what do I do with this? I know surely you're not calling me to save every woman. I'm not him and I'm not a superhero. So like, but what, what can I do? What, what is this? Cause I'm not okay with this picture perfect. Cause these were women that like got it all together, right? Yeah. Like you sit yep. in small group and you're like, how's this, how's school? I'm not trying to diminish small talk. I just don't do small talk well. And so it's like, you sit in small group and a lot of people just like want to talk about their husbands and their kids and like vacations. And I love talking about all those things, but there's just this level of depth that I won't say all, but a lot of small groups I have been in have just never penetrated past. They yes. just kind of stay, I won't even say surface, but the deep is even not that deep until you really are like, you know what, I'm, I'm opening Pandora's box and I'm about to bare my soul. We're going past you know? deep. We're going to ugly. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the real, like mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to just share with you what God knows about me, you know, those sorts mm, of things. That's good. That and, is good. And so I, um, I got to this point where I was like, God, what do I do other than just being vulnerable myself and my husband too? Um, but like, wh- what do I do? Because I now had, I had this burden of knowledge of all of these stories that I was, I was, um, serving in full-time ministry. And so I would go to church on Sunday morning working and I would see these women. And I'm like, I know the pain that you're going through right now, but we still walk in on Sunday morning or, you know, sometimes in our Sunday best, like we probably just fought with our husbands and threw something, <laughs> you know, across the house, whatever, like, right. Like, and so like, what does real life look like? How do I meet real life with like church people and create this culture, at least in my circle, I can't do it in like all churches or necessarily even in mine, but, um, how do I create this culture around me and what I do that it's okay to not be okay, but God, like we're saved by grace and whatever decision you've made or whatever has happened to you, like God is bigger and we have to give him that story. And he's writing something beautiful on our lives. And so this is kind of what I wrestled with God. And he gave me this vision, for really lack of a better term, um, of an, an event. I mean, it became an event. But to just literally use the platform that I had as women's director to give with other women, not me, because this isn't about me. Yes, I use my story. And yes, I talk about what God's done in it and all of the things. And, you know, vulnerability begets vulnerability. So I had to start. Someone's got to start. But this is about let it, giving other women the freedom and the platform to be able to feel that freedom and to, to share stuff. And so I asked five good friends of mine who I had gone deep with, whose stories I did know, and they knew they knew my story. And I just said, would you be willing <laughs> to share like the deepest parts of your soul? <laughs> However many women show up to something. On like, a stage with a microphone? Uh, on a stage <laughs> with a microphone. And I had a couple say yes, like absolutely. And I had a couple go, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. And um you know, through obviously prayer and conversations, because I didn't really know what it looked like. I just was like, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what that means. If it turns into a women's conference, 
flash event that which is what it is now um that's that's fine but i don't want it to be your like normal women's conference i want this to be like real like i want people to show up and i want people like we're gonna get into the bible like it's not just a bunch of like women sharing their ugly on the stage that's not mm -hmm. just what it is that's the relatable part right the like i'm just like you i have i am no better i am sinful just like you we also do get into the Bible. There's always a message. There's always an opportunity for people to turn their life over to God, um, to recommit, you know, rededicate their life to Jesus. To I mean, there's always prayer. There's, there's you know, so many things that happen. I did not want to be just a normal women's conference where you just like go and you feel like so good when you leave and you're like, yes, I'm encouraged to like do something. I don't know, whatever the event was about. And then, you know, what do you do with it? We really it's want like to... I was just going to say, it's like the camp high when you were a kid and you went to camp and it like, oh my gosh, life's amazing. And you come back and then a couple of weeks later, it's worn off. It's gone. Exactly right. The camp high. Yeah. And I grew up going to church camp. So like, I get that. And it's great. And there's definitely like a place for that. I believe like that's not even to, to diminish the things that happen at those conferences, events, camps, that sort of thing. But I know in my soul, like for me and how I'm wired and how God created me, like I crave deep connection. Like I crave, like, especially women, like real relationships that are not surface that I can go deep with and not worry that I'm going to be judged. And so I want to create that space for other women because I can't be the only one that, that feels that way. So I had all, all of my friends said yes. And they trusted God with that. Yes. Cause it wasn't me. They knew that this is not about me. And the beautiful thing is that they knew my heart and know my heart and that this wasn't like, Hey, I'm trying to be the next Beth Moore, whatever, fill in the blank. Yeah. You know, I'm like, this is something God's calling me to do. And I feel like burdened by this. And yes, they stood on the stage and they shared the deepest, I mean, some dark parts of their stories Two had never shared ever any of it. One who um, is just a very, very dear friend of mine still, she shared her story. And it was the first time anybody had asked her because her story was that of something that had actually happened to her husband. Her husband was in a terrible motorcycle accident and he's paralyzed from the waist down. He gets asked often to share about his story and nobody has ever asked to share hers. Wow. And I said, will you share your story? And she said, about what? And I said, about your husband's accident and how that affected you and your marriage and that you became a caretaker and that how long did you spend in the hospital? Like the fear, like all, what do you mean? What story? <laughs> like, she was like, that's not my story. That's his. The accident oh. happened to him. I said, oh no, the accident happened to you too. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time anybody ever like gave her permission to share her, like, like this happened to her too. Mm -hmm. So she did. And it was amazing. And the Lord totally blessed it. I mean, we have live worship with an incredible worship band. We have different speakers every year. We have a live message given by somebody different every year. After year one, I mean, we just did it in a church and the church that I was attending at the time, because that's the platform that I had. It was the tickets were like so cheap. And I even provided lunch with that because my church at the time, like, the bill for a lot of it. They were amazing. And the Lord said, do it again. And so I did. And year two, we were on Boise State University's campus in one of their ballrooms, partnering with on-campus ministry and college students. It was just 
we were able to sponsor women from the women's shelter. They were bussed over and were able to come for free to just hear who Jesus is and know that their story is not too big and too messy for him. Wow. Awesome. Wow. So that was, I I mean, I'm guessing 2019 when you were at Boise. Yeah. We, so we started, yeah. Boise state was in 2019. We started in um, our first event was 2018. So yeah, here we are 2023 still going strong. Yes. (laughs) So tell us you have, so that means you have an event coming up. It's in September every year, correct? Yes. This year it is September 30th. It is, it is in the fall every year. Um, yeah, September 30th this year. And it's a local and, and remote. Yeah. Okay. So after 2020, we realized we needed to, we needed to make this virtual one just because 2020 became a complete virtual event. We didn't cancel it, but we did, we did go into a virtual studio. It was amazing. We had like four times the amount of people tune in live in 2020 than we had ever had in person the two years prior. And so, um, once that happened, I was like, oh man, we need, we have to like, we have to make this now a like a live virtual live event. And so um, from 2020 on, we have live streamed it and it is also a ticket. Um, it's a cheaper ticket, uh, but yeah, those are unlimited. We don't sell a lot of those. So if you're not local, if you are, if um, I'm in Boise, Idaho. And so the event happens in Boise, Idaho. If you are not local, however, you can 100% buy a live stream ticket and you can watch it live. Or the ticket gives you access to it forever after the event has aired. You can go back and watch it. That's Amazing. Awesome. It is. Wow. Ashley, thank you so much again for being here today and for sharing all this. And I'm so excited to attend. Uh, my daughter is just moving to Boise. So I'm excited to meet you in person and to cool. attend Stories Unveiled. We've been asking our guests to share an encouraging word with our listeners. So do you have anything that you'd like to share as we close out? Gosh, honestly, and I feel like, feel like I say this so often, I feel like I beat this drum. It's just kind of what I'm known for, I guess, but just how important it is to share your story. And it not only does something in like you as the person that's sharing it and being real, but it, it always will help somebody else. Yeah. <clears throat> it always gives permission for the other person to also be vulnerable. And you're kind of creating this culture of realness, but you don't know what people are going through. Mm-hmm. You don't know what people have walked or are currently walking, what junk they're dealing with that to just say, this is me. God loves me in all of my brokenness. And I'm going to tell you about what he's done in my life because Our testimonies, I mean, biblically speaking, we're called to share Jesus with other people. And Jesus spoke in stories. And I firmly believe that that is what connects us. Like that is like we have been wired for stories. We have been wired to communicate that way. It's what draws us in. A good story is always what hooks you, right? Mm -hmm. So true. Movie or novel or whatever it is, a good story gets you. And I'm not saying that like, there are good stories and bad stories, but it is stories that connect us. And I just feel so deeply that we are called to share our story because your testimony and your story is really one of the only things people can't take away from you. It's this happened. This is, this is truth. This is what happened. 
And regardless of what you believe, I can still sit here and say, this is where Jesus showed up for me. And it's, it's yours. And I just feel so strongly that it is so powerful. It is the most, one of the most powerful tools to be able to communicate who Jesus is in my life to other people. And now you've got um, your Stories Unveiled conference, which is every year in Boise and obviously online now as well. But you also have a podcast. You can go check out the Stories Unveiled podcast, which I'm assuming is on all platforms at this point. It is. Yeah. Apple, Google, Spotify, all the things. Okay. Fantastic. So go check out Ashley there. And, And listeners, we want to thank you for tuning in today and being a part of our podcast community. Your support is valuable. We are actually here to serve you. So remember, healing is a journey and it's not a destination. And as we navigate the path of recovery and transforming together, know that you are never alone. Ashley, you are a beautiful example of of stepping out and teaching others to remember that they are never alone. So stay strong, stay hopeful, and keep working toward your brighter, empowered future. And until next time, take care and keep embracing your healing journey. Thank you, Ashley, again. And thank you, my beautiful co-host, Chris Rocha, for being here today. We will see you guys next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Betrayal Recovery Transformation Podcast with your hosts, Chris Rocha and Jen Howie. We hope you've been helped and encouraged. If you value the content we shared today, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. This helps others find the show. Need personalized guidance? Please contact Chris or Jen for transformative coaching. This episode has been brought to you by HealingWithTheHowies.com, WatermarkCoach.com, and with the support of Pure Life Alliance Ministries.